Well, before Brother uh, Kevin didn't call you Jeremy this time, amen. He's getting tired of that. Um, before Brother Kevin comes, I want Miss Corley to come share a brief word of testimony uh, because it's their 16th or 17th. Kevin, answer the question. 16th or 17th? I'm going to let her answer the question, amen? Okay. But they celebrated an anniversary with us. Isn't that a privilege? And I tried to send them to the peddler down in Gatlinburg, and they said, no, we'd rather stay with you. And so then we went to Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> Amen. That was really fancy. Praise God. But it was good. Amen. That's what counts. And uh, I appreciate Miss Corley. Appreciate her uh, accent, but I appreciate her testimony. Amen. And uh, I wanted her to give a word of testimony uh, because we're not sure how many times they're going to be here because Brother Kevin is booked from Michigan to Colorado. And so uh, he'll be on a busy, busy trail uh, this year. So Miss Corley, you come and share what's on your heart and happy anniversary. 16. Yes, sir. 16. <laughs> 16. Okay. Thank you, Brother Ray. Um, we were just so excited that we get to start off our furlough at a marriage retreat. We really couldn't think of a better way to celebrate our anniversary. It was just wonderful. We had such, a, such an amazing time. Um, something that I shared with um, just briefly with the couples there when I gave my testimony was how the Lord brought me and Kevin together. Um, as most of you know, we actually grew up in opposite sides of the world. That's I was right. born and raised in South Africa, and uh, there was not any point in my life before I met Kevin that I thought I would marry an American, much less come to, to America and, and develop this American accent and, and all of that. And Kevin definitely did not. Kevin definitely did not grow up thinking that he was going to marry a little girl from South Africa. But when I was 17 years old, I surrendered my life to the Lord. And I can honestly say that, um, you know, at that time, you know, you're looking at college and university and what am I going to do? And there's many decisions that has to be made. And my only desire, the only desire that was in my heart was to serve the Lord full time with my life. Um, I was in a very small church, a single mom. Uh, there wasn't a ton of resources or opportunities. And, and you know, we just decided that we're going to pray. We're going to ask God to just allow me to serve him. And we started praying earnestly. Father, if it be your will, just send me someone to serve you with. And it honestly wasn't a year later that the Lord brought Kevin all the way from America. And we just often look back at just how the Lord provided and how he worked out every detail because we gave it all to him. We just let, let him be God and work it all out. Put him first and, and let him direct our steps and all of that. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, sister. Isn't that precious? God knows how to set you up better than other people. Amen. What a blessing. Praise God. All right, Brother Kevin's going to come preach. He's been our missionary for a long time, and uh, I don't know how long, how long he's been in Africa, South Africa, about 16 years, I guess, amen, when he met you, he stayed, but uh, thank the Lord, and uh, brought two great messages on the resurrected marriage, you know, some of us got dead marriages, did I say some of us, no, I said some of y'all got dead marriage, I ain't got one, and uh, boy, it was a challenge to our hearts, and I appreciate Brother Kevin. And to celebrate his anniversary, we're going to go to uh, Gondoliers and buy him a pizza after the uh, service. And uh, his kids will like that. Uh, they might not like it, but we'll, we'll like the kids liking it. But uh, you're welcome to go with the vision class who's hosting this party. 
uh, and we can just pack out the restaurant and we'll have a good time. Best ship is fellowship. Say amen. Praise God. Brother Kevin, you come preach. Thank you for being with us. I love you. Appreciate you. Amen. It's good to be here tonight. You can take your Bibles and turn with me to Genesis chapter number 50. Genesis chapter number 50. I just want to say uh, it is a, a, a real blessing to be back uh, at our home church. Uh, I know a lot of missionaries, like I said on Wednesday night, don't have a church or their, their pastors change every so often and then uh, they're left kind of up in the air about what they're going to do for a home church and those sort of things. And that's not been our situation at Whitfield. We've had continual love and support and prayers and we're super, super thankful for that. And I just echo what Brother Wayne said about praying for your missionaries, not just us, but all of them. Uh, I don't want to overemphasize it as far the, the thing I'm going to say, but there is some sort of, it just seems like the spiritual oppression is, is magnified, magnified on the mission field. I don't know if that has to do with the culture uh, shock and all those different things, but it just seems like, it seems like, I'll just be honest with you, when I get on a plane and come back here, it's like a load is lifted off of me. Uh, I, I don't know what it is, but I, I know, I also know that I get emails from time to time, like Jason was talking about this morning, emailing some of your missionaries, uh, saying that they were praying for me. And I can, in my mind, I don't know, I'll get to heaven and figure out if that was exactly the case, but I can correlate that prayer uh, that they were praying to something that took place for the good uh, in the ministry and the people's lives there in South Africa. And so uh, your prayers, your support, your friendship, your faithfulness here at the church, it all makes a, a world of difference, and we're, we're super, super thankful for that. Uh, Genesis chapter number 50. This evening, what time do you normally get out on? About 9 o'clock. okay. All right. Okay, that's plenty of time. I'm a, I'm a short-winded preacher most of the time. All right. Uh, Genesis chapter number 50. I need to say, is this, is this on the Internet? Okay, I needed to know that because I was going to say it's a few off-color words. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Jokes. Uh, uh, no, uh, there's a young man in the church over there that wrote you today. He wanted me to give him a shout-out. I think he's watching the service, maybe Damien Ross. And so uh, we all say hello to Damien. If everybody could just say it with me, one, two, three, hello, Damien. One, two, three, hello, hello Damien. Damien. He'll love that. All right, <laughs> so uh, Genesis chapter 50, verse 22. Look with me in your Bible there. It says, And Joseph dwelt in Egypt, he and his father's house, and Joseph lived in hundred and ten years. And Joseph saw Ephraim's children of the third generation. The children also of Machir, the son of Manasseh, were brought up upon Joseph's knees. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I die, and God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land unto the land which he sware to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and ye shall carry up my bones from hence. So Joseph died, being 110 years old, and they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. I want to preach on four observations from the death of Joseph. I want us to look at this evening. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together. I pray that you'd bless the preaching of your word. Uh, God, that it would be profitable for us to be in, the, in, the, in your house this evening. And that the truth of your word, uh, these timeless principles, God, would uh, penetrate our heart, bring spiritual health and nourishment to our bodies, God, that we would spend the rest of our days serving you uh, with honor and vigor and soberness, Lord, because we believe that you're coming again. Thank you for the incredible example of Joseph that you've given us in the word of God. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
What an awesome book, the book of Genesis. I preached through this in South Africa. The book goes from Eden to the Garden of Eden, from the Garden of Eden to, the, to Egypt. Uh, from, from chapter 37 to verse uh, chapter 50, it basically, basically is talking about, kind of revolves around the life of one gentleman, and that's the guy we're going to look at tonight, Joseph. And the, the book ends, this chapter that we're looking at, with Joseph reassuring his brothers of his genuine forgiveness of all the evil and wickedness, which is really beyond our imagination if we were to really put ourselves in Joseph's shoes, uh, uh, the genuine forgiveness that he has extended to them, not putting himself, as he says, in the place of God. And then we see finally in these last few verses, which is kind of a, an odd place to preach out of the book of Genesis, you probably don't find a whole lot of pre people preaching this passage, uh, but ends with his ultimate death. I want to ask, I know preachers in the room have... Uh, I know Brother Wayne's done probably, can't even count how many funerals he's done, but I know, Jason, you've probably done some. Even others, lay people in the church, some of you maybe have even been called upon to lead or preach, participate in funerals. How many of y'all have ever been to a bad funeral? And when I say a bad funeral, I mean you struggled to find something good to say about the person. As a matter of fact, you, you, find, you can't even struggle maybe to say anything about the person. But here's a whole life a whole life that has been lived upon the earth and you, you struggle to find one good thing, one good lesson, one good principle, one good uh, teaching that, that can come out of that person's life to, to help others and be a blessing and encouragement, a good way of remembering that person. Well, that's not the case with Joseph. We can look at his life and we can look at these last few verses in the book of Genesis and we see some incredible Incredible lessons that if we'll, we'll take to heart, it will really impact our life. And so I want us to look at these four observations this evening very quickly. I'm going to preach quickly. The first one is this. The goodness of God to the believer. The goodness of God to the believer. God was good to Joseph, even though Joseph suffered so much in his life. I can say without reservation that Joseph suffered more than anyone in this room. He was stolen away from his family around age 17. He was sold as a slave. His brothers even contemplating, contemplated, I believe, murdering him. Then sold him as a slave. And then he goes down and he does his best as a, as a slave worker unto his servant, his master, as unto the Lord, as unto God. And he gets falsely accused of, of attempted rape and then thrown back into prison. And then in prison... He works faithfully and serves faithfully and, and, and there he helps a couple guys out. Well, he helps one out anyways. The other one ends up getting killed. The other one gets replaced back into his original position and the guy forgets him for two years, longer in prison, suffering all these different things, stripped away from his father who he had a, a, apparently a very close friendship and relationship with, stolen away from all of that. His, his, his youthful years being stripped away from him. For 13 years, he suffered immensely. Embarrassment, shame, ridicule, all these different things. But in the midst of that, God was good to Joseph. Second Peter, or 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 14 says this. Listen, but and if, and those are both important words, but and if, you suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye. And that word happy, you take it either way you want to. Happy, I love that word, but that word actually means blessed. Happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. Joseph was a righteous man, and he suffered. And he suffered. 
Joseph was a blessed man. God was good to Joseph. No one can argue that Joseph did not suffer. He was hated, he was left for dead, sold as a slave, all those different things. But look how good, from a human perspective at least, that God was to Joseph despite his suffering. Listen to this. He was raised to the highest power in Egypt. Second only to Pharaoh. But had he not suffered the way he did, he would have never reached that position. It was through the suffering that God put him in that position. All of it was the will of God. He got to spend, listen, he suffered. We look at that and we think, man, think about that, 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 that pain that he had to, to have gone through. As a matter of fact, the Bible says at one point when the brothers were suffering in Egypt, when they were going through that famine and they were being falsely accused of, uh, of being spies, remember when the famine was in the land and they were having to go before Joseph, though they didn't know who Joseph was, uh, that they said, for our evil this has come upon us. And they could remember the anguish that was upon Joseph when he was in the pit and when he was being dragged off as a slave into Egypt. They remember the tears and the fear and the begging and the scared uh, face upon Joseph as he was begging them not to do this to him. He suffered. He suffered. But listen to the goodness of God. God raises him up to the, to the second most powerful position in the world. And as a matter of fact, he probably had... All the power because he did a lot of the decision making. So God did an incredible thing there. And then notice this, he got to spend the last 17 years of his life reunited with his father and his family. He got to spend the last 17 years of his life reunited with his father and his family. A lot of times we think of the suffering of Joseph and that's pretty inspiring, that's pretty convicting uh, when we compare our trials with his trials and the attitudes that we have uh, in the midst of those trials. You think about Joseph, he was in that prison cell and he was forgotten and all these things and these guys come to him and they say, uh, the baker, chief baker and butler, and they say, we had a dream and nobody's here that can interpret the dream for us and they're in there whining and complaining. And, and Joseph, remember, he had that dream. He had a dream. God gave him two dreams that one day... God was going to do something great with Joseph. And you'd think these guys bringing up a dream and Joseph is in prison. He's been sold as a slave. He's been, he's been falsely accused and all the hardships that he's gone through. If that was you and me, what would we be doing? I don't want to hear anything about no dreams. That's the last thing that I want to hear is about some dumb dream that somebody's had. But he says, go ahead and tell me the dream. God's the interpreter of dreams. And I know he'll interpret this dream. And so Joseph got to spend the last 17 years of his life reunited with his father and his family. He was given a family and children and got to see even his great-grandchildren's children. The goodness of God. We miss it so many times looking at the, the, the hardships. and the we're, I don't know what it is about the human mind, but we're geared toward looking at the, the bad that happens to us. And all of this goodness that God is doing in our lives. He got to, God gave him a family, and God gave him children, and he got to even see his great-grandchildren. His great-grandchildren's children. They were brought up, the Bible says, in this passage, upon his knees. There, in verse number 23, they were brought up upon Joseph's knees. They were, he was able to love them. 
He was able to take part in educating them. He was able to influence and enjoy them. Can you see the goodness of God in your life? I know work may be struggling. Marriage may be difficult. Finances may not be what they ought to be. Life may not be turning out the way you expected it to be. But man, God is good to you. Learn to thank Him. Learn to praise Him for His goodness in your life. And you might just see more of it take place in your life. He lived, Joseph lived to 110 years, which was apparently, apparently the perfect lifespan according to the culture in which he lived there in Egypt. Joseph lived to the perfect age according to the Egyptian culture. 110 years this man lived. You know what I say? That is the goodness of God to the believer. Here's a truth for us to remember. All of us are going to suffer as Christians. All those that are godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. You may not, you may not suffer and, and have to uh, maybe be burned at the stake or, or recant Christ, but there's going to be suffering. There's going to be difficulties there, there may be a messenger of Satan to buffet you, to, to bring humility into your life and to keep you humble all the days of your life. And you're asking God, remove this from my life. Remove this from my life. And God says, no, 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 no. My grace is sufficient for you. That's keeping you dependent upon me. I'm, but I am going to continue to give goodness into your life. Rather, get your eyes off of that thing that, that is bothering you that God is actually using to bring humility into your life so that He can continue to give you more and more of His enabling grace and see the goodness of God in your life. Amen. We're all called to carry our cross and that's going to bring pain and suffering at times. But in the midst of all the suffering that we may endure, I assure you, if you look around, you will not be able to count all the blessings in your life. I love the psalm that Jason referred to this morning, Psalm 73. You should read it. If you're, if you're down and out and discouraged, if you're looking around and you, you see, man, it just seems like lost people have it and life's good for them, and here I am trying to serve God, here I am trying to be a good Christian, here I am trying to be a godly husband, here I am trying to be a godly father, here I am trying to be a good pastor, here I am trying to be a godly woman, here I am trying to serve God with my life and just trial after trial after trial, go read that. And here, I'll give you the, I'll give you the, the just, the, 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 the summarization of that psalm. God is good to you. Amen. That's it. God is good to you. God is good to you. God used all the evil that came upon Joseph, listen, for His good and for God's glory. Amen. That's what God's doing in your life. Now sometimes we go out and we do silly, foolish things and we reap what we sow. We, we sow according to the flesh and we do things that dishonor God and, and we reap. The, 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 the punishment is built in to it. It's not that God, I don't believe that He's, He is uh, purposely or viciously coming at us for that, but I believe many times that the, the punishment for those things that we do is already built into it. You planted that seed, you reap that, that fruit. But sometimes we just serve God and, and, and bad things happen. Uh, trials come into our life. Difficulties come into our life. But why is that? Why is that? And then we, we stiffen up, we stiffen our neck, we stiffen up, and we get prideful, and we resist God. And we, 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 we start making foolish decisions rather than realizing that this storm is from God. This trial is from God. Let me not 
uh, freak out. Is that a bad word? Uh, let me not panic. Let me not lose my cool. Let me keep my eyes on the Lord. Let me see what He's teaching. My mom is she's got a sick person, a sick sense of humor. And so as I was when I was a kid, I hated roller coasters. And my mom loved to put me on roller coasters. That's not good parenting. I'm going to go on Jerry Springer one day and bring that up. So she would put me on roller coasters, and here's what I would do from beginning to end. From beginning to end, I did not enjoy a second of it. And you know what we do through the trials and the, 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 the difficulties that God puts in our life many times? We close our eyes, we hold our breath, and we curse God, and we get bitter against God, and we miss the lessons. We miss the growth. We miss the opportunity to receive more grace. We miss the opportunity to become more like our Savior that He wants us to be. And you know how life is going to be so much better for you? Please listen. You know how life's going to be so much sweeter and so much better for you? You know how, much, how, your, how your marriage is going to be better? How fathering and how mothering is going to be better? This is my hope. This is my core belief. If you could strip down to my heart, this is what I believe. That, that, that my marriage is going to be better. Fathering is going to be better. Pastoring is going to be better. Everything. Being a friend is going to be better. Being a man is going to be better. Being a worker is going to be better when I become more like Jesus. And I know that many times it is through those difficulties that God brings into my life. Some of the people that I admire most on this planet are some of the people that have went through the most. Now if you ask Joseph, Joseph, let me ask you a question, Joseph. Would you like to go back and experience uh, from 17 years of age up until 30? Would you like to go back and relive that, 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 that time of your life, Joseph? I think the answer would be a resounding, absolutely not. Joseph, would you trade what you went through and the lessons that you learned and how you saw God work and what He did through your life and who He brought across your path and the places and the positions that He put you in and how you impacted the world for, the gospel, for, for God? Would you trade that and just go back and live in Canaan for those 13 years? Absolutely let me ask you a question. Do you want to live a boring life? Do you want to live a dead life? Are you content with the person that you are this evening? Are you happy with that? If you shake your head, your wife should punch you in the face. I'm not. I'm not. I want to be like Jesus. And I know that's going to come through difficulties. But I know through the difficulties that my God is good. There's no shadow of turning in Him. He's 100% good. And so when things like that come into my life, I can trust. I can trust that He's still in control. And I can look around. Though this is going bad, there's other things that are going good. And God has already been so good to me, giving me His grace and His mercy as a hell-bound sinner that I can't complain anymore from here out. Though I will. I will complain. God is good to us. God is good to the believer. We see that in Joseph's life. Will you count your blessings today? Stop pursuing the blessings, so-called blessings of life, and start obeying Christ and see how He works in your life.
How's God building you through the troubles? Look around. See what God, look past the problem, look past that person, and see what is God teaching me? How is God building me? I'll just be honest with you. When I go to the mission field this past term, it's, it's overwhelming to me. I tell the people there, and I tell you, if, it was, if I was doing my will, I would, I would live in the woods. And I'd see people every so often. I'd probably be one of those survival people. <laughs> but my life is not my own. And God has put some very strange things in my heart that are not according to the old Kevin Hall. He's given me a love for people. He's given me a sense of responsibility for the souls of this world. And so I cannot spend my life anymore for Kevin Hall. It has to be spent for the one who gave himself for me. I don't know what kind of salvation you got, but it was a very good salvation that I received. He bought me, and I'm his servant. I'm his slave from here on out. I'm his child. I'm his worker. I'm his labor. Whatever you want to call it. But my life is his. I'm bound up in Christ. But God is good to the believer. God was good. God was good to Joseph. We see the goodness of God to the believers. The first lesson we see. Secondly, we see the powerful witness of a believer to the very end. We see the powerful witness of a believer to the very end. Joseph spent his life and went to his grave believing and proclaiming the promises of God. Look at verse 24. It says, And Joseph said unto his brethren, I die. And God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land under the land which He sware to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. You know what Joseph was doing here? He was witnessing for the God of heaven to the very end of his life. He lived in Egypt 93 years in total. From around the age of 17... 13 years around about in slavery and in prison, and he spent the last 80 years in power under Pharaoh from 30 to 110 years of age. He believed the promise given to his great-grandfather Abraham back in Genesis chapter 15. In verse 13 it says, And he said unto Abraham, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs. Hmm and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge, and afterward shall they come out with great substance. You know what Joseph was doing here? In the last, last moments of his life, he was being a powerful witness for the God of heaven. He didn't get to experience the promise himself. No land, no nation, no blessing, the whole, the whole earth through the, whole, for, through, the, through the seed. All the patriarchs his, peop, or his, his people owned at this point in the promised land was a grave. But he continued holding on to and proclaiming the promise to the very end. I find a, very, a similar situation in, in 2 Peter chapter 3. I like that, that, that portion of Scripture. But it's like there was persecution going on. And it seemed like there in chapter 3, the people in the church are asking the leaders, like, what's going on? Is, is Christ really coming back? And, and the false teachers were, were saying that He's not coming back, and, and, and they're wondering what's going on, all these different things. And Peter tells them, hey, the promise, God's given His promise that He's coming back. 
God's given His promise that He's going to judge this world. God's given His promise that the ungodly are going to be destroyed. God's given His promise that there will be a new heaven and a new earth. Believe and cling to that promise. Don't give up on that promise. Joseph held on to the promise and proclaimed and witnessed for, the, for God until the very end. He believed God would visit His children in grace and love and mercy to deliver them to the land of promise. He was responsible and faithful to proclaim the truth, though small. The little bit that he did have, he proclaimed that to the very end. He wanted his life to speak for God even after he was gone. Friend, we have the full revelation of God. We have the full book now. We have the indwelling Spirit. We have greater understanding. Jesus, the Gospel, the knowledge of the coming day of God, the reservations He has for ungodly uh, people in this world. And we must be faithful to witness for Him until the end. To plead with men for Christ. God has called you to be a proclaimer of the Gospel. Let me say that the greatest way that you can leave a witness in this world after you've gone is to invest your life in someone else. Let me ask you a very convicting question. Has anyone, has anyone, has anyone benefited from the grace of God that you received? See, grace is something that never runs out. Me and my wife have been blown away. Every store I go into, I just, I'm just like, whoa. I'm just blowing my mind. My mind explodes every time I go into a grocery store or a, a gas station. Gas stations are grocery stores now. It's like there's unending amounts of food. I get tired before I get to the end of the cereal aisle. So much food. So much food. And most places around the world don't have, they have little food. But it seems like in America, food never runs out. The grace of God never runs out. The Bible says that, that God is rich in mercy. How is He rich in mercy? By the death of His Son, He's rich in mercy. That, that, that Jesus' death is not just a propitiation, it's not just an atonement, it's not just a making things right for, for, for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. So we have this unlimited resource for people to get out from under the wrath and condemnation of God. So I ask you again, has anyone benefited from the grace that you received? Titus, go read that book. Titus chapter 3, I think it is. It talks about the older men teaching the younger men. The older ladies teaching the younger ladies. That's the Bible way. Who are you pouring your life into? You know, I get, the, I get the idea sometimes with people, sometimes even in South Africa, that people just want to have a little feel good on Sundays, and they go back to their life out in the work world, and they come back on Sunday again. Give me a little Lord's Supper here and there. Let me sing a few songs. Let me, let me get my little spiritual feel. But nobody's benefiting. 
from the grace that you've received. God didn't save you to just feel good. God didn't save you just so you could take the Lord's Supper. God didn't save you just so you'd have a pastor to call on when your foot hurts. God saved you. God saved you that you might be a channel through which somebody else receives His grace. You do realize as we sit here, there are people dropping off into hell. They take you into hospitals in South Africa that are not fit for animals to sit in. And people have lived in poverty, and then they sit in those nasty beds, take their last dying breaths, and they wake up in hell for eternity. Who has benefited from the grace of God that you've received? Second thing we see in Joseph's life, the powerful witness of a believer to the very end. To the very end. You may not have been a soul winner up to this point. You may not have been somebody that discipled up to this point, but why not now? Lose your, lose your pride. Get rid of some of your hobbies. Get rid of some of the things that are taking up so much time and realize the most important thing on this planet are the souls of men. That's what God wants to redeem. That's what He was willing to send His own Son to the cross for. The souls of people. How are you investing in them? Here's a good start. Start praying. Start praying. The young man that we just gave a shout out to, he just wrote Brother Wayne a message today. Uh, and we, when I got to South Africa four years ago, we started praying for Damon. He already, he, he, I think he already knew he was going to be a preacher. We started praying. I said, Damon, you need to get some disciples. You need to start pouring your life into some young men. I said, I don't know how that's going to happen. He was, only, he was only 18 or so, 17, 18 at the time. I said, I don't know how that's going to happen, but I know how we can get it started. We start praying. We started praying. When I left South Africa, there were three or four young men, sharp young men, that are also wanting to serve God with their life. That have gotten saved, that have gotten baptized, and are preaching on Friday night youth. Who are you investing your life in? This is a teenage boy. He ain't got no resources. There's not much reason in the world why these young men would want to follow him other than the God of heaven has his hand upon him and he's answering his prayers. Have you prayed about it? Start praying. We need more missionaries out of this. You know what's healthy for this church? is when people go out of here serving someone else. Somewhere else. It brings a sobriety to the church. That, oh, we're not, just, we're not just singing hymns. We're not just having Lord's Supper. We're not just having services. We're, we're actually serious about this thing. People are leaving their jobs. People are packing up their homes and going across the world in faith to serve God. This thing's real. And our kids see that. And our teenagers see that. And they want to serve God. Why wouldn't you take your last years and invest it for eternity? You know, if I was here, if I was in this church on a, daily, on a weekly basis, I was, I was here as a member uh, week in, week out, man, I'd want some of the older people in this church to get around my sons. Not just to teach them how to fish or teach them how to, how to shoot a gun or whatever, work on a car, that'd be all right. Teach them how to mow a yard, that'd be real good. But to teach them how to love Jesus. Amen. You know what discipleship is? Real basically, teaching somebody else how to follow Jesus. That's, right. That's what it is. That's what you're doing. Teach somebody else how to do that. And what you don't know how to do, you go ask somebody. 
It's not, it's not rocket science or God would never put me in this thing. So we see the, the goodness of God to the believer. We see the powerful witness of a believer to the very end. And we see the traveling spirit of a believer. Traveling spirit of a believer. Verse 25, Joseph, Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel saying, God will surely visit you and ye shall carry up my bones from thence. Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel saying, God will surely visit you. You shall carry up my bones from thence. Joseph knew he did not belong in Egypt. Do you know you do not belong in this world? Your life is more than Shaw Industries. Your life is more than, 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 than uh, Mohawk or Aladdin or whatever. Your life is more than that. You're, this is not your home. It's not just a song we sing. It's our faith. If this is the only hope that we have, we're all men most miserable. We're crazy. We're wasting our lives. May God shake your soul. My family just made a 30 plus hour trip to get here. We were longing for our final destination. The plane, the airport, the food, the Chinese lady rubbing her foot on the back of my arm that went along with it paled, paled in comparison to reaching Tunnel Hill, Georgia. Pecan waffles, Tijuana's, Bojangles, Walmart. I endured, I endured the trip for the joy that was set before my temporal heart. All this pales, all this pales in comparison to our final destination, right? Right. You know what we need? We need some older people that live like there is a heaven. Amen. Live like there's really a Jesus. And live like that God really did give us a great commission. Right. Show me that. Yes. Show my sons that. Show our youth that. That this is real. Romans chapter 8, verse 18, Paul said this, For I reckon, that's not a guess, he is accounted, that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. The sufferings of this present time, you can't even put them, you can't, you can't even put them side by side with the glory that God is going to reveal in us and to us one day. Heaven, new heavens, new earth. This world's beautiful. You travel, this world's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's incredible. There's I mean, you can go online now and see places that you never thought you'd see and you, you, you watch the video and you're like, wow, is that real? And it's real. God created that. And the whole world, the whole creation groaneth that this is under a curse. Imagine how beautiful, how wonderful heaven will be. Amen. The sufferings of this present time are not to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us for a timeless experience in the new heavens and the new earth. He was serious about it. He took an oath of the children of Israel. I don't belong here. I know I don't belong here. God's got something more. I don't belong here. He made them swear, do not leave my bones here. He was sure about it. He said in verse 25, God will surely visit you. He had absolute confidence in the promise of God. When God says something, it's His promise. Amen. Joseph believed it. We see in Joseph the same hope we saw in Jacob. The 
confidence that God would provide and bring, uh, be good on His, uh, His promises that He had given. He was steadfast about it. It was His final uh, wish or command. Not to meet a famous person, not to have a specific meal or to go somewhere special, but for His bones to be taken back to Canaan. The book of Hebrews mentions this steadfast dying wish above everything else that Joseph did. Do you realize that? It says in Hebrews 11.22, listen, by faith Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. Gave commandment concerning his bones. Joseph said, I don't belong here. And when I'm out of here, you swear to me that you're not going to leave my bones here. Because I believe there's going to be an afterlife. I believe that these bones will live again one day. Joseph, though Joseph had power in Egypt, right? Second in charge. He had family in Egypt. God given him a family. He had friends in Egypt. He had riches in Egypt, though he spoke the language. We saw that when his brothers came. He had learned the language of the Egyptians. He wore the clothing of the Egyptians and ate the food of the Egyptians for decades. His heart bled for the city of God. Hebrew puts it this way in Hebrews 11.9, By faith he, Abraham, sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Hebrews 11.13 says, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them, embraced them, confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. But now they desire a better country, that is, an heavenly. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He hath prepared for them a city. Joseph believed he was a stranger in the land. Do you realize this world is not your home? You're missing it. You're missing a big part about what this Bible is about if you don't believe that. And I, I'm here to testify. I'm here to testify to the goodness of God. That yes, I've had difficulties. Yes, I've had sufferings. Yes, I've had trials in my life. But man, the goodness of God in my life has been mind-blowing mind-blowing and I've learned this that I can manipulate and I can choose for myself and I can make selfish decisions and I can go my own way and I regret it every time I'm not I'm not playing I'm, I'm being serious I'm really trying to be serious here every time and when I give my heart and life completely to the Lord and I say God this is scary God, I, I don't really want to do this. Or God, this looks overwhelming. God, I can't do this. This is beyond me. This is uncomfortable to me. I was talking about going to South Africa this, the past four years. Man, when I got there, I was, as soon as I got there, I was like, God, this is, this is beyond me. This is more than I can do. But I determined in my heart, I'm just going to put my head down and plow. And I'm going to see what God does. And He answered Maybe my prayers were small, but He answered every one of my prayers. Amen. As I worked for the Lord, He worked in me mightily. 
As you give God your life, you just put your head down and serve Him. Don't look at the waves. Don't look at the problems. Don't look at the people that Satan may bring in your life or the world may put against you because all of it is against God. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Walk with Him. Just keep trusting Him. And you'll look back and you'll be blown away at what God has done through your life. And you realize that this world is not your home. You're headed for a new heavens and a new earth. God is protected and keeping your reward there. Lastly, I'll be finished. My time is basically done. I'm breaking a rule right now. The last one I'm done, I don't know if he really means that. The inevitable end to every man. The inevitable end to every man. We see the inevitable end to every man. Look at verse 26. So Joseph died being 110 years old. They embalmed him and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. Genesis is a sad book, right? The book begins with creation, life, God saying it was all good, very good, and ends with a coffin on one of, the, of one of the best men to ever live, Joseph. Begins with the eternal God, ends with a dead man. There was no avoiding the curse. As good and as inspiring a life as Joseph is, we look at him, we think, man, did he ever do anything wrong? He was put in the worst of situations. Did he ever do anything wrong? He obtained salvation and righteousness and eternal life the same way the worst of sinners do in this room, by faith. And the same thing that happened to jo- happen, happens to everyone upon this earth is going to happen to Joseph and it's going to happen to you. They say the stats on death are staggering. Ten out of ten die. The inevitable end of every man. is You're going to die one day, right? You're going to die one day. It's a lesson. We look at Joseph's life. We say, even the best of us, You're going to die one day. And as Brother Wayne said in the marriage conference, you should plan on it. You should plan on dying. Live to die. And live for the next life. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, for your blessings. I pray that you please bless the preaching of your word. Thank you for Joseph's life and these lessons. In Jesus' name, amen.